506. That's how many years it has been since Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses on the door of the Wittenberg Church. Thus sparking what now we call the Reformation. His goal was not to start a new church. Martin Luther was a monk and a biblical uh, teacher. And what he was trying to do was uh, correct some practices within the church. And so he stood up and said, these 95 arguments for why the sale of indulgences should be corrected or perhaps eliminated altogether. It was the church that eventually kicked him out that made him start what became, of course, the Lutheran church. And then other Protestant groups, those who were protesting, made their own mark. So we celebrate today, some of us by wearing red, other of us just coming together and being reminded of some basic things uh, that Martin Luther helped remind the church of in his day and how we can be reminded of it again. The centrality of the word was perhaps, as Amanda suggested, the most important contribution that Luther made. Not starting something new, but reminding us all to go back and to read the scriptures. Now, as mentioned, in those days, you had to already be a scholar to really read the scriptures, knowing Latin or Greek. And so Luther, who was studying law when he was young, not particularly a fan of studying law, he was told to do that by his father, and he's, he's walking along, he's in the countryside, and a, a massive thunderstorm comes, and he's fearful of his life, and he prays to God, Lord, if you save me from this storm, I will become a monk. And so that's how he makes the decision, because he, he makes it through that storm, and he follows through on his promise, his prayer to God, and becomes a monk. Now, you might be surprised to know that as a monk, he wasn't necessarily even encouraged to read the Bible. They, they had chores to do, they lived in community, they cared for one another and the property, and they, they certainly attended lots of prayer sessions and worship, but it was in his studies to earn a master's and, and all the, the degrees that Luther ended up getting to become a teacher that he really started reading the Word. And as he read God's Word, he had a transformational change. Luther, like many in his day, and it's not unheard of in our world as well, and sometimes we can have this, but Luther had this idea of God as a judge, an angry judge who looked upon him and all kinds of other people and saw only their sin and was ready to rule that Luther was guilty. And so he was incredibly consumed with the sense of guilt and the sense that God was judging until he dug into Scripture. And in particular, when he read Paul's letter to the Romans and the Galatians, where he discovered this idea that we are saved not by our works, but by grace through faith apart from works of the law. And when he read that, it was a light bulb moment. And as he ruminated on that, both 
for himself, but also his students, he found that the practice of the church that was not lifting up this gospel-centered theological point that we are saved not by our good works, but by grace through what Christ did for us on the cross. Christ does for us on the cross what we cannot do, which is save ourselves. That's why Jesus is called Savior, because he saves us. So as Luther found this foundational truth and began to teach it, and it ran up against the practices of the church, that's when he spoke out. That's when he used his voice, and that's when he got himself into some good, holy trouble. But I think for us, as we, if we want to grasp the spirit of the Reformation and, and continue to be reformed in our own walk, but also for us as a church, I think some of these basic teachings of Luther and the re- reminders he gave we hold fast to. So yes, number, the first thing that Luther did, or not the first thing, but one of the most important contributions was he translated from Greek into German the Bible. Because he said, I don't think that this barrier of language should exist, that everyone should be able to read the scriptures in their own language so they can hear for themselves the amazing promises of God, the story of Jesus. And so Luther may have been one of the first to do it, but now you can find Bibles in every language that's spoken. Wherever you are in the world, there's a Bible. Maybe there's a few exceptions, but even in those cases, there's probably someone working on a new translation today. A second thing that Luther said that I think is really important, because there are lots of books in the Bible, so when we say the Word of God is central to our faith, it's also important to remember his, his teaching. He said, Scripture interprets Scripture. In other words, if it all counts the same, if it all has the same authority, that people can cherry-pick different verses and cobble them together to make it say anything. And so Luther had this idea of Scripture interpreting Scripture, and it's not that he was the first. If you actually read the... Jesus does it too. He interprets the scriptures, and that's why he had so much tension and conflict with the religious leaders of his day, because Jesus was teaching in a way that was different, and it pushed back against some of the Pharisees and Sadducees and and priests that, that had a different way of thinking about it. So for me, this idea of scripture interpreting scripture means, uh, that Jesus' words, the red letters in your Bible, if you have one of those Bibles, carry so much more weight than anything else. Because Luther understood God's word in three ways. The first is that written word that's captured in the Bible itself. A second way, he said, is Jesus himself. Jesus said, is called the Word made flesh. So if if there's any discrepancy between what a scripture in this book means and that one means, Jesus is the final authority because it's God's Word in the flesh living among us. And so when Jesus says and Jesus teaches and how he lives demonstrates to us God's Word, God's intent. So we have the written Word. We have the embodied Word, the Word made flesh in Jesus And then we have the word that we share together as we gather as a faith community and we hear 
Scripture read and preached, as we hear the words of Scripture being brought to life in music, as we come to the Lord's table and we hear those words, there's some ability of the Holy Spirit to speak to each and every one of us in the moment that we're in. The Word is alive and continues to speak wisdom and truth and power to us. So I want to share, so those are the three things that Luther talked about in terms of God's Word, but I want to just do three more points. You're getting lots of points today. It's Reformation, Super Bowl Sunday at the ELCA. (laughs) So the first thing I want to say is God's Word is foundational. God's Word is a foundation for us. And by foundation, what I mean is it's the base level that as as we engage with God's Word, It's our starting point for faith, our relationship with God. And so in our gospel text, Jesus is asked by the lawyer, the the expert in all of the Old Testament laws, and there's hundreds and hundreds of them, and he's he's trying to test Jesus, says, which commandment of all the commandments is the greatest? And Jesus says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is Deuteronomy 6. And then he said, a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I personally make that my foundation, partly because Jesus said that's the foundation, most importantly because of that. Plus, it's also so simple to understand. What does it mean to be a person of faith? Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor. Love God with everything that you have. Put God in first place. Come back to that. Develop a relationship with God. Develop that through scripture and reading and coming together for worship. Putting God first means all the other things that compete for our allegiance and our time need to be second. That's the greatest and first command or what's called the Shema. And by the way, the Pharisees don't argue with him because this is the right answer that anyone should give. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, but also love your neighbor. Turn outward. Faith is not meant to be something we do on our own. It's not simply about our private thoughts with God, as important as that is. It's also about caring and having compassion and turning outward to love of neighbor. Love God, love neighbor. That's the foundation. That's the base. That's our home, the home, home base, our, 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 our basic thing that we can come back to. But it doesn't solve all the questions. After all, if you read the rest of that gospel text, uh, Jesus gets in sort of a little uh, rhetorical battle with the Pharisees about David and the Messiah, and I don't want to go into the details of it, but If you have your home base, that's great, but there are all sorts of other issues that come up in our life, and Scripture isn't just about saying, love God, love neighbor. Okay, well, that's great. What do I do about, I don't know, the war in Israel? How do we think about some of, you know, more complicated things in our world and in our life? So that's the second thing, God's Word as a guide. God's Word is a guide. It can be a foundation for us, but it's also a guide. So Psalm 1, which is the first psalm for a reason, 
lays out the power of God's word. And I just want to remind everyone of what we heard, verses 1 through 3 in Psalm 1. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. In other words, not using scripture as a guide, but using human wisdom as a guide. Or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the spot of scoffers. But, but, so the opposite of that, is that they take delight in the law of the Lord. And here that word law is the word Torah. And it can be just translated as law, but also teaching, the teachings of the Lord, the path, the guide to get us on the right path. Scripture can illuminate us if we delight in that law, if we embrace God's teaching for our life, if we meditate on it day and night. Thinking of, think about that. Scripture gives us the capacity to understand God's heart. I particularly find the, the stories of Jesus are one I just keep coming back to over and over and over again, and to meditate on those day and night. Maybe that's not meant to be literal, that every waking moment of every day you're reading the scriptures. That seems like a pretty high goal. But if you're doing that, you'll do great at loving God, but you might not love your neighbor very much if you're just reading the Bible. But what I think means is let that scripture live into your heart. One of the things I always encourage people to do is find a few scriptures that you memorize, maybe just little snippets or lines, things that you can hold on to that when life gets complicated and messy, when we're maybe at risk of losing our way, Scripture can be a guide that gets us back on track, gets us back to where we need to go. God's Word is a foundation for us. God's Word is a guide as we navigate life, which is sometimes hard. But God's Word also gives us a promise. God's Word of promise is that basic word that Luther discovered, that we are saved by grace through faith, not by our good works. It's not up to us. God does the work on the cross for you and for the whole world. So as we go through the messiness of life, we have the scriptures to guide us, we're reminded of the basics, but we also have the promise, which Paul writes, and this is a piece that Luther picked up, this is in Galatians. We've come to believe Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ, not by doing works of the law, because no one will be justified by works of the law. That is the promise. Now, Paul actually was a lawyer, and sometimes when you read scripture, particularly Paul, it's kind of hard. So I had a teacher, a a Lutheran theology teacher, who said, we're going to make this really simple. And she drew a picture on the board And this picture captures this idea of by grace through faith. Now, it's very complicated. Let's see if you can follow this picture. So she drew this on the board, this downward arrow, and someone was like, huh? They raised their hand, does that mean we're all going to hell? And she said, no, 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 I can see why you might say that. It's that God comes to us. God comes to us. The arrow doesn't point up. It doesn't point up and say, you've got to earn your way with successive good deeds and good works. 
God comes to us. God's grace is a gift. We can't go to God. That's why we need a Savior. God comes to us with love and grace and mercy, a gift for you and for the entire world to receive. That's the good news that Luther discovered. That's the good news of the gospel that we share today, that the world needs to hear because life is hard and messy and we struggle and we're not perfect or anything close to perfect. God comes to us a gift of grace. That's worth celebrating and remembering and giving God thanks. Amen.